grateful that it's Christmas time? Or are we just trying to make it? Right? I know most of us in church, we're used to kind of lying in church, like, how you doing? I'm fine, right? Uh, but you can be honest, right? Some of us are just trying to make it. Some of you are like trying to make it through this service and um, trying to make it. we got stuff to do, gifts to wrap, etc. And so uh, I want to share with you a little bit from God's Word and uh, just for a few moments here. And kids, it's a great time to take notes because you may have to turn those into your parents in order to get some presents maybe. Uh, if you want to draw a picture of me, I welcome that. I love to get those after the service. I love when kids draw a picture of me. Uh, that'll be awesome. If the title of tonight's message is Divine Disruptions, kids are in the service, guess what they're going to do? They're going to have disruptions, right? This is, you, you think the first Christmas was just picture perfect, right? Like all the paintings and the little crash scenes. It was messy. It was difficult. There were lots of disruptions. If you have um, some little babies or, or toddlers, and, and they definitely got room, the, the spot out there, back, there's a speaker out there. There's refreshments, and, and they can move around and wiggle. So if you've got a real tiny one and, and need to do that, that's a great place uh, right back there, and uh, there'll be some folks back there to help you. So a couple of things I just want to share with us tonight as we talk about Christmas. We're in this series called The Mothers of Jesus, where when you look at the New Testament in the book of Matthew, it starts with this genealogy of Jesus. And, and what's interesting is that in there it includes five women, which is very unusual for that time. And, uh, and so we've been navigating the lives of these women, the, the, the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus. And it's entitled The Mothers of Jesus. And we've navigated what they look like. And it's really been pretty amazing to see just what is going on in their lives, that God would include these women in his genealogy uh, for one reason, reminds us that women have an important role in the mission of God. And, and, and for Jesus to include that, he's reminding us that. And, and these women become the heroes of these stories. But not all these women are actually picture perfect. The first couple stories are kind of messy. There's deception, there's lies, there's seduction, there's, there's incest, there's, there's a prostitute and kids, close your ears and, you know, all right? I mean, and, and then, you, then you get to um, uh, Bathsheba, and uh, man, she is connected with the largest political and sexual scandal in Israel's history with their king. I mean, think um, Monica Lewinsky, think Stormy Daniels, and this is the person, right? This is the person, Bathsheba. She is put in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, along with many others. And it's this a reminder that God is just being honest, and he's saying, this is my, if you remember the Sprint commercial from a few years ago, there were these strange Sprint commercials called Welcome to the Framley, right? The Framley is kind of like friends, family, relatives. We're all like blended in together. And, uh, and there was like uh, a, a woman, there was a grandpa, there was a hamster, and it was like the hamster and the mom, were, and there were kids, and there was a guy with, I mean, it was just, it was this picture. And I, that's exactly what I see when I look at the Bible and see the genealogy of Jesus. It's like God is reminding us, I'm not ashamed, and I'm not willing to edit anyone out of my story. All are welcome in my story. And I think that's just a beautiful thing. And so tonight, we're going to talk about just quickly divine disruptions, because Mary's life was disrupted. If you hadn't thought about that. And then she's going to give a response, and she's going to give this response, and it's called a bold yes. And so look over at your neighbor or your kids and, and say this word. Will, will you give a bold yes? Will you give a bold yes? Go ahead, ask your neighbor that. Will you give a bold yes? I know a lot of you are like, 
what's, what's the question first, right? Let's, let's figure out, do you have a million dollars? I'm not giving you a bold yes to that. Did you go to Jared um, and get me something for Christmas? I don't know if I'm going to give a bold yes for that, right? But there are these disruptions that happen, and Mary's life is greatly disrupted um, as she is this preteen girl from a poor, no-place town called Nazareth. She's planning to get married. She's engaged, and she gets disrupted in a major way. And so just a couple of quick things I'm going to share with you. Point number one is this quickly, is that God will often disrupt us to give us a picture of reality. God will often disrupt us to give us a picture of reality. We don't have a picture of reality all the time. We think we do. I think I do. You think you do. But we don't have a picture of reality. The major reason we don't have a clear picture of reality is because sin has infected every single human being, every heart, every man, woman, boy, and girl, and it has distorted our picture of reality. We don't see things as they should. So just a quick example, and kids, you guys can play along with this game. On the screen here, let's see. Which one is bigger, the blue one or the red one? The red one looks bigger. And some of you have played this game before. You know what the answer is. They're the same size. I have some of these cards somewhere here in my office, but obviously it would be very difficult for you to see them uh, all the way up here, so we put them on the screen. But they are the exact same size, and if you were to hold these cards in your hand, you could look at them, and they look two different sizes. No matter which way you change them, they look two different sizes. Why? Because your brain distorts the way the way your eyes work and all that sort of stuff, and it makes one look bigger than the other. And you can put them together, and they're the exact same size. We don't see reality. It happens physically. There's another one here, right? Let's see. Which side, is, which, which shade is darker? The, the left, on, on your left, or the right, over that way? Yeah, it's like, man, which is it? Do you know what's true? It's the same color all the way across, just depending on the background. All right, one more. Okay, how many black dots do you see? Count the black dots. No, my brain! You know that brain exploding emoji? Your brain fills in things, and so when your eyes move, it fills in a black dot there or here. And, and the reality is, there are no black dots, but your mind sees them. All right, let's go, let's go back to the, uh, the point there, point number one. God disrupts us to give us a picture of reality. We don't have a picture of reality. Because sin has infected our world. So kids don't see reality, adults don't see reality. And God has to remind us of what is true and what is right. The old preacher Charles Spurgeon said, says this. He said, he who is his own guide is guided by a fool. He who is his own guide is guided by a fool. And, and even us trusting ourselves, we'll lead ourselves in all kinds of mess. I don't know about you, but when I lived my life in a way that was without God, which I did for many years, I got myself into a lot of foolish trouble. And then when I submitted my life to Christ, all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have to get in that much trouble. Look at what happens with Mary here. Track with me in the verses, uh, verses 28 through 29. Notice that she is disrupted here. Verse 28, it says this. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29. But she was greatly what? 
She was greatly troubled. Why was she troubled? Because her life just got disrupted by an angel. If an angel just appeared at your house, I think that would disrupt your night. Some of you are hoping that an angel will appear at your house with gifts. I don't know. But it would disrupt your life. Notice what she says, though. She was greatly troubled at the what? At the saying, there was an the angel gave her a saving saying, you're going to be pregnant with the baby Jesus from the Holy Spirit. And even though you're engaged to this man and you have not been with the man, you're going to be pregnant. And she is like, whoa, that's a disruption, right? And she was troubled at God's word. She tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And so here she is. She's troubled by this because now her plans are messed up. She just got engaged. And if you've ever been engaged before recently or a long time ago or engaged right now, you know you start making plans, right? You have Christmas plans that maybe your Christmas plans have gotten ruined already because of sickness, because of uh, financial issues. And, and these plans get ruined. Her plans here get ruined. Mary is picking out a dress, right? She is registering at the, the Bed Bath & Beyond in Nazareth. She's picking out colors and picking out all sorts of things. Joseph is trying to build a house, and he's got other things. He's got big plans, right? But they've been disrupted. What happens when things get disrupted? We struggle, right? But God is working His plan here. And so here's the reminder. Look back with me at verse 26. Verse 26 says this. I want you just to see something here quickly. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Notice what happened here. Who did the angel appear to? Mary. This is, this is disrupting to their society that the woman got the word of God first. That's disrupting their, their theology that men were the ones who you know, had to get the word first and they told everybody else what's what. And here Mary gets the word. And so we see that disruptions happen all the time. Secondly, this point you can write down. So the first one is this. God disrupts us to give us a picture of reality. God also disrupts us to tell us that we're highly favored. That's what, what the angel tells Mary. But I bet you're wondering, what is the word highly favored? Have you ever told your kids you're highly favored? No, you can start saying that after the service. Have you ever told anyone you're highly favored? No, that's not language we typically use. But it means this. It means chosen. It means given grace. It means given a gift. And God will disrupt us to give us a gift to remind us that he's chosen us. Many people think that God chose Mary because she was somebody different than all the other women. But the Bible doesn't say that she's different than any of the other women. In fact, it says by this idea of being highly favored, it's this idea that God, through his grace, chooses whom he wants, not based upon their own merit. And so some of us have these pictures, right? You've seen the pictures of like Mary like this, you know, and the halo and, and the little baby Jesus, right? And, and as if she was different than all the other women. But the Bible gives us no indication. In fact, there was a time where somebody came to Jesus and they said, man, I bet your mom was awesome. And let's be real. She had to be awesome, right, to raise Jesus. This is an amazing thing. But Jesus responds. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, we'll put this on the screen. Luke chapter 11, somebody says this uh, to, to Jesus. And I think that's after the next point, verses uh, 11 
Luke chapter 11, 27 through 28, Jesus was saying these things, and a woman in the crowd called out and said, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. In other words, your mom has got to be somebody special, different than everybody else. But look what Jesus responds and says. Verse 28, he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and what? Obey it. That's not a diss on Mary, because in fact, that's exactly what Mary did. She responded with a bold yes, as we saw earlier. But the reality here is, this is an invitation to all of us, to any person that, that would get a command from God, would get the word of God, whatever they understand of it, the most basis of it, and they would re respond with a bold yes and say yes. You can be highly favored. God is giving his grace to everybody. The door is wide open to those who would simply obey what they know of the Bible. You don't have to be some kind of great Bible scholar. And so point number one is that God gives us disruptions to give us a clear picture of reality. Point number two is that God gives us disruptions to let us know that we're highly favored, we're chosen. And then thirdly and finally is this, God gives us disruptions or disrupts us to give us another something greater than we could ever imagine. To give us something greater than we could ever imagine. The angel, if you will, dropped a lyrical bomb in Mary's lap, right? How is she going to explain this to her fiancé, Joseph? Hey, yeah, I'm pregnant. <clears throat> it was the Holy Spirit, I promise. Joseph's like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, right? You know, I know how this works. And so this becomes, I imagine, a very difficult situation. And so, again, it looks like she and her plans have been ruined. But the reality is God is wanting to give her something greater than she could imagine. Look with me at verse 31. Notice what the angel says. Verse 31, here's the bomb. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And, and that's an important thing there, but here is where things get even better. Here's where she receives something far greater than she could ever imagine. Verse 32, Jesus, that's her son. He will be great and will be called what? the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And then verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. This, this is the greatest gift mankind could ever be given, and she gets to be the person to carry that. Can you imagine that? Not just the special child, but this Christ child is going to bless people in 2018, soon to be 2019. You are here today because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. She got the responsibility. She couldn't imagine what it would be like to sit in this church tonight. She couldn't imagine cell phones and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. She couldn't imagine all that stuff. She couldn't imagine what the world would look like. But because of her obedience, because of her bold yes, she was part of the greatest rescue plan in all of history. God gave us himself. And that's humongous. I heard the story recently about a king in Persia who was, who was wise. He was a good king. He loved his people, and he wanted to know how they lived. And so you know what this king did? He went and he lived with them. He put on different clothes, the clothes of a working man or a beggar. He went to the homes of the poor. No one he visited, though, knew that he was their ruler. And one time he visited a very poor man who lived in a cellar. He ate the nasty food that this man ate. He sat with them on the floor of the stinky room, but he spoke cheerfully and kindly to him. And then he left, and later he visited the poor man again, and he disclosed that he was the king. And the man said this, you left your palace? You left your glory to visit me in this dark, dumpy place? You ate the nasty food that I ate? 
you brought gladness to my heart. And to others you have given rich gifts, but to me you have given yourself. And that is far greater than any riches. And God is willing to leave the throne room of heaven. Someone once said, if our greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need is salvation for the sin and forgiveness and restoration with our creator. So God sent us a savior. Before I became a pastor, I was a teacher and I was involved in education. And that was one of the statements I made and praise God for teachers and educators. Praise God for educators here at our academy. But I realized this as I taught kids, man, that all the information in the world could not change their lives. And when they had the gospel and they had the hope of Jesus, their lives, regardless of their home situation, their financial situation, their educational outcomes, they could have a different kind of hope. And listen, we're the most educated we've ever been, right? Some of you, you, you can Google me right now and you'd be like, okay, I'm check this uh, Wikipedia. Let's see, let's see if these stories he's telling is true, right? Like that's how we do, we check everything out. We have so much information and has our world gotten marginally better? We have the greatest scientific minds in the world. Yet people still die every day of cancer. People still die of poverty and malnutrition. There are still uh, abuse and murder and, and, and all kinds of things that go on in our world. What is the greatest need? It is a Savior who brings hope and peace to an entire world. And so God disrupts us. And so the, the response is this. Will we respond to God with a bold yes? So I have just two closing questions for you, and then we're going to um, sing our closing song and, and light some candles. And so the, the closing question is this. Will you give God a bold yes to thinking deeply, to thinking deeply about the faith? Will you give God a bold yes to that? See, many people think Christmas is kind of like fairy tales and fantasy, like make-believe. There's something kind of nice we do. But the reality is when you look at the Bible, these are all historical places. It says an angel came to a lady named Mary in the town of Nazareth. All verifiable things. All things you can go and check, places you can visit. Other people, eyewitnesses, could uh, verify these things. Was there really somebody named Mary? Did the story really play out? The reality is the Bible is the most historical book that we have. I don't know if you knew that, but it is. We have all these informations about kings and, and, and Caesar Augustus and Rome. And we take that at face value, and, and people often don't take the Bible as the word of God and as true. When the reality is there's more historical reliability for this book, listen to me now, than there is for all the stuff we know about Troy and the Gallic Wars and Caesar Augustus. Those things were written thousands of years after the events happened. Can you imagine that? What happened a thousand years ago? I don't know. I think uh, Caesar Augustus attacked this guy here, and then Spartans fought this. And I love those movies, right? You've seen them. I think that's what happened. Thousands of years after the events occurred. They could make up whatever they wanted, right? Oh, I'm a Spartan. I'm writing this. We won. Mm-hmm. Right? I kicked that guy in the hole. Boom. You know, like, this is what happened. The New Testament, though, was written within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses of the gospel accounts, the people that were there and saw these things. So they could have said, no, no, Mark, Luke, John, not that you guys wrote that wrong. I was there. But they didn't. In fact, the writers gave their lives. They gave their lives for these truths. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody put a gun to my head and was like, hey, Mackie, did this really happen? And it didn't happen? You better believe with the creepiness. I'd be like, nope, didn't happen. Save me. Please don't hurt me. Right? I mean, the dentist could ask me a question like that, like, no Novocaine, buddy. I'd be like, please, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Just give me some Novocaine. Right? I don't like pain. 
But the reality is this. These guys, these the apostles who saw eyewitness accounts, they gave their lives for that. People don't give their lives for a lie that they know is really a lie. And so there is so much historical lie. And so I just want to challenge you. We think deeply about the things of faith. In fact, Luke would encourage us later on or earlier in the gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, he would say, he said, I'm writing this to give you an account in verse 1, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to us. Verse 3, it says this, it seemed good to me also having followed other things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And then he says that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. And while the Bible still requires faith and trust in God still requires faith, this is a logical book. In fact, any logic supposes the idea that there's a God who exists who does things in a logical order. And then finally is this. Will you give God a bold yes to the promise-keeping God? This whole story, without you maybe realizing it, is, is, is the fulfillment of prophecy that has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years before this. The Old Testament was written, and there were prophecies about Jesus. God is a God who keeps his promises. And this is what he tells Mary. And that's why Mary gives this bold yes. She says in verse 38, she says, I'm your servant. Whatever you would want me to do, I'll do it. So the question I think for a lot of us is, is, is will we give a bold yes to thinking deeply about things of faith? Will we give a bold yes to a promise-keeping God? You want to know why I think we should do that? Because Jesus gave us a bold yes. Did you know that? Sin was damaging the world, and God had to say, look, the world needs a Savior, and Jesus stood up and gave a bold yes. Maybe you're familiar, maybe the kids are familiar with this, they repeat this verse all the time here, John 3, 16, right? If you're a kid, you can look on the screen and follow along, you may know it by heart. But it says this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That was Jesus' bold yes to God. I will come and dwell amongst people and live the lives they live. And I will die for them. I will, I, will, I will experience all that they've experienced. And so Jesus gave us a bold yes. And I would encourage you to give God a bold yes. And so as we prepare to close this service, and, and we're going to sing our final song, and we're going to get some candles uh, together. And if you have small kids, you don't want them to have a candle, they should have received a glow stick. In fact, I'll... Our ushers will be getting those ready here momentarily. If you need one, they'll pass some along. But the reason why we do the candles is this, is that candles are representing, the reason why we do a candlelight service is that it's representing a dark time. And then the light of the world came in, and when people give a bold yes, it's like they light up. So you're going to light your candle, and then you're going to turn to your neighbor, and you're going to pass the candle to them, and you'll turn to the person behind you, and then... We'll just pass the lights down the rows here. But here's what that represents. It represents people's bold yeses to saying, God, I want to be a person of light. I want to be a person who spreads the beauty of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ wherever I am. And so John and Chris, I'm going to, ask, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask our worship team to uh, come on up, and, um, and then uh, we'll get anybody else who needs one. So if you guys will bow your heads with me. We'll have a closing word of prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll pass out some of those to anybody who didn't get them. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor moving around, let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, for the message of Christmas, for the beauty and the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for these children in here today, Lord. Thank you that they have learned so many things tonight. 
by being part of this family gathering tonight to worship. Lord, we're grateful for them, for their lives. And so, God, as we think about what it means to be followers of Jesus, we're just in awe of you. And so, God, I pray a blessing. God, a blessing of your favor, of your grace upon these families here tonight. And, God, I know there are people that they've had their lives disrupted because of health crises, because of family crises. And I pray, God, they would continue to give a bold yes to you despite the circumstances. They would realize the difficulties of this life and say, Jesus is still better. And I'm thankful because I can't solve the problems of this world. No man can. But there is a Messiah, there is a Savior who can solve every problem. And it's to Him we pray tonight. It's to Him we celebrate and we are filled with joy. So God bless us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.